No one likes winning more than I do. Like, we want to win if you play checkers. But the reality is our job is to help kids socially, help them educationally, help them athletically, and move them into good colleges. That was Cushing men's hockey head coach Paul Pearl joining us in studio for today's episode of Rinkwise. Welcome to RinkWise, the premier hockey podcast in New England, produced by the New England Hockey Journal. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. We're excited to have Cushing men's hockey head coach, Paul Pearl, join us in studio today. Paul, thanks for joining us on this very rainy New England afternoon. It's beautiful. Yeah, no, thank you very much, Stephanie. It's great to be here and very proud to represent Cushing on this and very happy to talk to you. Awesome. Well, we certainly love talking hockey on this show. And of course, where else would you rather be on this rainy day than in studio with us? No question. Absolutely. So the prep season is right around the corner, starting up shortly here in early November. So how are you feeling going into this year? You guys ready to go again? Yeah, I think we'll have a good team. I think we have a good returning group. We have a good group coming in. We still haven't had tryouts, so we'll still have to figure out some of those things. We lost some really good players, obviously, like everybody does each year. But I, I would think that we would be fairly competitive, definitely. Cushing was good at hockey long before I got there, and it'll be good at hockey long after I'm dead and buried. So I would think Cushing would be pretty good this year. Certainly a rich tradition there with Cushing hockey, for sure, going back decades of lots of great players and, and coaches. And, of course, you are fairly new to Cushing, so yes. two full seasons, and spent a lot of time in the college ranks before that with Holy Cross for, for 20 seasons, and by the way, the most winningest coach in, in program history there, <laughs> and most recently, the associate head coach at Boston University. So why don't you elaborate a little bit more and fill us in more on your background? Yeah, I started back in, I had a real job for a year when I graduated, and then I got in at the Portsmouth Abbey Small Prep School in Rhode Island, then I was a assistant coach at UConn, I was grad assistant down there, and an assistant coach at Brown then I got the Holy Cross job, and I was there for a long time. And then I had a chance to go to Harvard with Teddy Donato, so I did that. And um, then with Albie at BU, and we had a good run there. And then I was fortunate enough that when Steve Jacobs was retiring, he and I have been friendly for a long time. And he let me know of the opening, and I wanted to be a head coach again, so it couldn't have worked out any better. I've been very blessed. Like My whole coaching career has been one lucky door opening after another. So well, this was just another one, and it's been uh, been absolutely fabulous. I've been there. 16 months now and it's really really a great place that's great lots of lots of luck but i'm sure combined with all your hard work has has led to a lot of success and and doors being open and really long list of of great programs that you've been involved with and you've also gotten to work with just some really outstanding leaders and coaches and mentors along the way no doubt no doubt i mean even i go all the way back to brown and working with bobby godette who went on to be a great coach at well, he was a great coach at Brown and then also at at Dartmouth. And then Jamie Rice, who is the head coach at Babson, probably the most underrated guy out there, who's an excellent, excellent coach and dear friend. So I got a chance to work with him and now working with Steve. He's still our director of hockey at, at Cushing, which is godsend having him there. And then BU and Lenny Cannell at BU and obviously Teddy at Harvard, who his resume speaks for itself. Great coach and Rob Rassi and all, all I've been really, really lucky. Like, it's not like fake modesty. Like, I've worked with some incredible people and had the opportunity to learn from so many people. And when you have that type of 
luck going through. If you do put in a little bit of hard work and you, you're passionate about what you do, I, I feel like it can work out pretty well for you. So 55 years old, haven't had a real job since I was landscaping in college in the summer. So I would say that I've faked this far and we'll see if we can keep it going for another 20, 25 years. I love that. Yeah, the real job. And as they say, <laughs> when, you, when you're doing what you love and no doubt. in this case, yeah. hockey, you don't, you don't work a day in your life. 100%. No, no question. And I'm sure they've been absolutely thrilled to have all that experience back at Cushing, leading the charge there. And it's also great for your for your guys because you just you do bring a different perspective. So all those years with the the college ranks, because at the the prep level, we're we're trying to train and, and mold these young athletes and into not just succeeding in the real world, but also trying to achieve the next level, which oftentimes comes with playing at the college level and or professional. So must be great for you to bring that different perspective to them with all that experience in the college ranks. Yeah, I think that obviously in college, you're trying to pull them, pull them in and in prep school, we're trying to push them out, right? So knowing, hopefully having a good idea of what it takes to play at those higher levels and being able to train the kids age appropriately because it is high school, it's not college. But I would say we try to do 99% of the same things that we did at BU or Harvard or Holy Cross. We, we practice habits and video and weightlifting and, and all those things. We try to get across to these guys so that our hope at Cushing is when a kid goes to another program, they obviously will have to get older and stronger once they get there, but they won't go there with a lack of knowledge on what it would take in order to be successful at whatever program that might be. And, and I, I think you look at the kids who graduated last year or this year or who will graduate next year, all of those guys, we're going to give them some piece of training or a lot of pieces of training that hopefully will, will work when they move to the next level. No, that's great. And, and that is certainly one of the goals of, of your program, I would say, right? And that's helping the guys play NCAA hockey. Yeah. And, and hey, no one likes winning more than I do. You know what I mean? You want to win if you play checkers, whatever. But the reality is our job is to move kids into help them socially, help them educationally, help them athletically and move them into good colleges. And that's obviously the job of any great prep school. And Cushing's no different. And you just want to be a part of that. Why don't you talk a little bit about the the landscape of your team? So you inherited this program a couple of years ago. And of course, here in Massachusetts, we have a, a really great hockey system in place. A lot of great players come out of Mass. But why don't you talk a little bit about your roster of players coming now from, from all over North America and now sometimes Europe we're seeing on, on some of these rosters. Right, right. So, well, the, the one fortunate thing for me is I also, on the Mass hockey side, I'm the head of player development. So the 17s, the 16s, and 15s, I get a really good look at them every year. So we, we obviously are going to have a real good handle, I think, on who the better players are here. And I think Cushing has a great tradition of kids in the Boston area wanting to go there. So we're always going to have that kind of core 617, 508 type guys. You know what I mean? We're also, 978 also, I don't want to forget those guys. But we're also, because of our almost international reputation we'll have kids that will approach us like we have a, a lithuanian on our team we have a, a kid from ukraine like those guys it's not like bill troy who's my assistant was like hopping in a plane and flying over <laughs> to lithuania to watch him play those kids inquire and then we find out about them through video and things so that's very helpful and then my recruiting background i've obviously done a lot in canada so you know like this year we we're able to 
at a kid from Nova Scotia, another kid from Toronto. Last year, we have a kid who came to us from Sarnia. Those are all areas I've been able to recruit at in the past. It's a little, I mean, I've, I've done a lot in British Columbia also, but it's a little bit harder to bring kid, families all the way across the country in order to do that. But I, I think our core is always going to be these Boston area kids, but certainly you're right. We'll, we'll always be able to have kind of that international flavor too, which is great. Oh, that sounds incredibly unique. And I think ties into kind of the next point and just discussing a little bit overall the prep league itself and the scope now that it's, that it's touching. I mean, it's, it's just such a competitive league and, there's just such a big draw now, and there, there's also just so many different types of programs out there. But it used to be, I think, the recruiting world was pulling a lot of kids across North America, but we're seeing them from all over the place now, which is just really, I think, just touching on how great and competitive the league is now. Well, it's it's that, no question, that I think if you're a 16-year-old kid and you're playing competitive hockey, if you can play at one of the top prep schools – and play there, that's going to be a good recipe for you to move on and play in college. No, no question. I also think that, um, you know, the for a long time for the European kids, the only choice was to go to play pro hockey in their particular country. Whereas I think 10, 15 years ago, you started seeing more and more Euros playing in college hockey or in the USHL and then college hockey. I think it's just a natural progression as those agents and those advisors start finding out more about the American system of hockey, that they start going backwards a little bit from college, right? Where where are they coming from before then? Oh, prep schools. Well, that's not a bad idea. Rather than go and, and start doing something in Finland, maybe I'm going to shoot over and go to go for two years at Northwood or at Cushing or wherever, and then go on to play juniors or go right into college. And I, I think it's just more the internet and all the information you can get out there. That's not just us. That's everybody. And, and they find out about what great places these are. And obviously I'm partial to Cushing, but there's a lot of great prep schools and a lot of great places kids can land that will help them get to their goals. Yeah. And no question. And now do, do a lot of your guys also play different sports? Yeah. So back, I think 25 years ago, everyone played three sports, right? Now, I think mainly for the hockey, for, especially for the winter-focused kids, those those hockey or basketball kids, they're going to play two sports. So because in the fall, they're going to play hockey leading into hockey, right? In basketball, they're going to play basketball going into basketball. But then we have that long break in prep school that comes after the first week of March. And then when we come back, all our guys play baseball or lacrosse or track or golf. Those are the four offerings we have. And we make sure all the kids do that so that they're providing more for the school and obviously we want great students and great hockey players but also kids that can kind of help and not just that maybe even be in the play or anything like that that's always a great thing to make everybody because not everyone at Cushing or everyone at Salisbury or whatever is into hockey but they're into the school and you want to show that your guys are all going to be part of the greater greater community. No, that's great and good, good way to change it up too after a long, long season of hockey, you know, get, out, get outside, run around, get on one of the spring athletic fields and just a change of pace. Well, I, I think also we both know, I mean, you have the girls at Austin, right? So they're going to start going again in June, right? They're going to train at Dynamic or they're going to do something. So then that's June, July and August. And then September, we started all over again. So at least if you can carve out half of March, April, May, 
that kid can kind of get away and cross train or whatever you want to call it, but also just mental health break. Like you said, get outside, smell the fresh air. And the, the other thing is provide really good competitive opportunities. Like we have nine kids this year that'll be on our hockey team. They'll be on our baseball team. And most of them are some of our better players. So it's not like they're just playing. They're good. They're good at it. So that's that's good for the school. That sounds like a lot of fun, too. Get to stay with your buddies. And, oh, back in high school, that was, honestly, it was one of my favorite things. Just uh, I had a group of friends, and we played kind of the similar sports together. It was just so much fun yeah, getting absolutely. to be with your, your friends and your yeah. buddies. Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of doing a school sport, right? Yeah. For sure. And getting back to the, the prep league for a second. So... One of the other things that just is so impressive, the more that we are bringing in guests like yourself and covering prep hockey is just how impressive the field of coaches are these days. And, you know, how many people coming back that have spent time either at the college ranks or the professional ranks, it's just such a professional, highly impressive group of individuals that are, that are leading a lot of these teams. Yeah, I, I think there's two things there. One, it's just we, we were talking a little bit in the pre-show, right? There's just a lot of good coaches out there that take the time, take train themselves, aren't just living off of that they played or whatever. They're, they're learning the elements of coaching and how to handle kids and all that good stuff. I think that's, a, that's obviously a big factor when you have a lot of kids in the prep school. But I think another factor of a prep school coach is most likely – they're a teacher of some sort or they're working within the community. So they're not just a coach. And I think they bring that to the team. And I think that's great for the kids, like in terms of information about a lot of different things, not just hockey. Like, obviously I have a different background. I come from college and I go back to preps, not back to, but I go to prep school. And I also work in the development office. But I think the typical prep school coach who's very good is a history teacher at the school and sees the kids on a day-to-day basis and, and then kind of brings a lot of those lessons into the coaching part also. And the other thing is, too, like, I'm only as good a coach as the talent, right? And Cushing draws a lot of talent, and that that's attractive to me as a coach, but also attractive to the player because he wants to play with other good and, and that part can make the coaching, I don't want to say easier, but smoother and, and something that kind of comes together well. I think a highly experienced coaching staff is certainly a big attraction to a place like Cushing and some of these other prep schools. And I think it speaks volumes to the league and also these, some of these programs, what kind of investment they're making in their actual hockey programs. Right, right, right. Well, I think Cushing has that great balance between academics and athletics, right? And it's not just the hockey team. It's a lot of our other sports. It's And, and a lot of our girl sports especially like your friend Val I mean how good is that program like they're year in and year out they're in the hunt yeah and so you have all these these programs that you get people to represent and be the the spokespeople for they can draw not just hockey players or tennis players or basketball players but the better student athletes too so that it rises the whole school's profile that that we're not just trying to find the best hockey player trying to find the best hockey player is also a good student so that that person will have many options when they leave because in the end all of our schools the number one thing is placement right so where do we go why would you send your kid to us because three other kids before one went to dartmouth one went to yale and one went to bc oh geez i want to go to a place like that you know what i mean and that that type of thing needs to keep happening and you do that by bringing in good hockey players and students Sort of like the full package these days. And I think that that's really great for 
some of our younger audience to hear because the recruiting process has changed over the years. The, the pool is deeper. There's just, there's so many great players out there. And these days, just being a, a great hockey player, you really kind of need the full package. No these question. Days. So the differentiator a lot of the times is academic, especially you start talking about the Ivies or the, the Nescacs or all those great academic schools. You'll have two right shot defensemen that are both five foot eleven, both can skate, both do this. One kid's an eighty five average, one kid's a ninety two average. By and large they're gonna take that kid with the ninety two average. It just it makes sense for them as a school to put it together. So a- anytime you can add ten points to your SATs or three points to your grade point average, I th- I think that uh, you're really helping yourself to open up you know, it's what, sixty division one schools? How many in the women? Thirty? Five forty uh, like, around there. Yep, yep. Think Increasing. of all the kids who play. You know what I mean. Even if all those schools bring in seven kids a year, like just take the men. If everyone brought in seven kids a year, that's only four hundred and twenty kids. Think of like, they're playing hockey in Lithuania. We talked about that earlier. Like it's insane how many kids and how many people want to get to these spots. And so if you can put yourself in a position that you know you're you're a student leader. You're a good, I mean, it sounds like all the stuff that your parents say and you're like, blah, 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 but it's true. Like, that's why your parents always said it, right? Student lead a good academically and then be a good athlete. No, oh, yeah, by the way, be a good kid. You know, that that's going to take you a long way. Absolutely. Point being, listen to your parents, kids, and <laughs> of course, your great hockey coaches. But but no, all kidding aside, it's the landscape, as we said, with recruiting, it's, it is getting tougher. It used to be that, I know when I was back at Northeastern, the, 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 the roster landscape was a lot of kids from the U.S. and Canada, but now you're also competing against kids from all over Europe and other areas. And when we when we talk to a lot of different programs, and even on this show, coaches talk a lot about their cultures. And it's important for kids to understand that they need to fit within a coach's culture. And if you're not, if you wouldn't fit into that, then you just aren't going to be part of that program. And I think that can. Uh, take place at the prep level, like a place like Cushing and or some of these college programs. And again, the full package is super important. No question. Yeah, I think that any anywhere, like if you were talking about Cushing, say we're big and, and we're not the only ones. We didn't invent this, but like we're big on accountability, teaching kids accountability and being accountable to your school, your teammates, everybody. And just having those good habits on a day to day basis that you can take with you when you move on. I would think most of the successful programs have that same mentality. Now, they might word it differently or whatever, but that comes down to the core of it. Whether you're going to be successful at Holy Cross, BU, Cushing, Salve, Regina, it doesn't matter. Like, that, those are the guys that are, or the gals that are most successful in those situations are the ones who have the basics. And, and that, to me, is, is what we as educators need to pass along to these kids. And even more so, there's a big difference between working with a 15-year-old and a 19-year-old. You know, let alone a 24-year-old senior. So th- there's a development phase that these kids are going through just in life that a lot of different things are going on with them that you have to be cognizant of and know that a lot of what you say or do as their kind of person leading the program and setting the culture, as you said, you have to be very aware of that as the person in charge of it. Because if, if you're passing the wrong messages along, you're doing a disservice not just to one kid but to many. And, and so, you know, Cushing, we have a lot of kids who play hockey and a lot of kids who play baseball, a lot of kids who play different things. So their coaches, be it me or somebody else, very important what we do in front of them on a day-to-day basis. New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise podcast will return after this message. Everyone knows getting hockey skates sharpened can be a hassle. 
Make it easier by sharpening your skates with the Sparks Sharpener. The Sparks Sharpener is safe, easy to use, and will save you time and money. It only costs about a dollar a sharpening, and you get an accurate, consistent sharpening every single time. Head over to SparksHockey.com and use the promo code RINKWISE at checkout to save $50. That's SparksHockey.com with the promo code RINKWISE and save $50. Catch the Sacred Heart University Pioneers on the ice this season. The Pioneers Division I men and women's hockey programs will not disappoint. Season ticket packages and individual tickets are on sale now at SacredHeartPioneers.com. And opening in 2023, Sacred Heart University's Martiri Family Arena, a brand new 122,000 square foot premier skating facility in Fairfield, Connecticut. Learn more at SacredHeartPioneers.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Listen, everyone. I want to let you know about a great team that is training the next generation of hockey players. It's Bando Performance. Their experts work with hockey players at all levels, from youngsters to Olympians right on up to the pros. And I'm going to tell you how to get a great deal with them in just a sec. Bando Performance's small classes ensure the best odds for success for athletes looking to increase power and performance as well as their nutrition and health. It has the same high-tech equipment you'll find in NHL weight rooms that hockey players use to increase their strength, speed, and power. I told you I could save you some money on this, so listen up. Go to bando-performance.com and pick a training program that's right for you. And this is the good part. For RinkWise listeners, use the discount code BANDO30OFF to get a 30% discount. That's bando-performance.com with the code BANDO30OFF and see your performance improve immediately. You got your program back into the Elite Eight last season for the first time in a while, and taking over the program just recently, uh, it's always great being the head coach. You can set your tone, set your expectations exactly the way you want and in your culture. So what's been some of the changes and in, in, in things that you've done at Cushing since you've been there? Well, I think first, it, before I talk about the now and the future, you got to talk about the past, right? And Steve Jacobs, Bill Troy, all the people who kind of had the reins before me did an unbelievable job of setting a standard and just what Cushing Hockey was all about. And and so I'm very fortunate to be able to go into that situation because a lot of people say, oh, it's hard to follow a legend, right? And I mean, I'm following the guy who they named the rink after. So, I mean, he's pretty much a legend, right? But I don't think it's hard. Because a lot of what he did is stuff that I agree with. And I I imagine that's one of the reasons he called me when he knew he was stepping down. But the the other side of that is a lot of those building blocks are in place. So with that being said, going into last year, like obviously I'm going to be a little different as a coach than the, the person next to me. It doesn't matter who it is. And so I would think last year we were able to really move move forward with kind of a puck possession and really hard 
up and down the ice style that I think kids enjoy to play. You know what I mean? And certainly the way we tried to play at Holy Cross and the way we tried to play at Harvard and the way we tried to play at BU. So a lot of that is a lot of the combination of the different coaches I worked at with in, in, in those places. But I, I think when, when you do that, it still comes back to the X's and O's are nice and you certainly put some things in place and the accountability and the culture and all the things we're talking about. You also have to have good players. And we, we had some really good players last year that were able to execute a lot of things. And we had a really good power play, really good penalty kill, like all the little things that you need to need to have. But, you know, secondly, we just had kids who cared and really wanted to win and were fortunate. Kids like Billy Norcross, who had been there for a long time and stayed the extra year because of COVID, and he's going to Northeastern, and he's a heck of a player. So having leaders like that in place, getting there was extremely helpful too. I think going forward, we just need to continue that, continue to get players and get more players and, and kids who want to do kind of the do it our way. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean more like kids who want to go have fun and, and but at the same time be accountable and, and really care about Cushing Academy, the school, not just the hockey program. I think once we have that in place, we'll, we'll hopefully be able to keep it going. Indeed, and finding the right balance for sure. And you also joined Cushing. It was sort of during a difficult time, obviously coming off of pandemic and, <laughs> and those are really challenging years, I'm sure, for, for every coach. Yeah, we it, it was a weird, weird year. I remember the you started hearing about it and no one wants everyone wants to tell a covid story and no one wants to hear it right but i'll just give you the short version of my first experience with covid was us having to go in and tell the seniors at bu that their career was over even though they couldn't play in the play we're supposed to be leaving to play lowell and then you fast forward then we played a covid year and we actually had a good year at bu made the ncaa tournament we unfortunately lost and then i was fortunate enough to be able to get the the cushion job afterwards but you know, during that time, that's when COVID restrictions and things were starting to lighten. So I think by the time I got to Cushing, there was still people putting masks on and there was still, you had to sit out eight days if you got sick. But it wasn't like what it was that first day when we told the seniors they had to go. When like, if you got COVID, it was like a death sentence. You know what I mean? Everyone was so worried. If you remember those first two weeks, it was, it was really, really, no one knew what to think. So I think Fortunately, I was able to get to Cushing right as everything was kind of loosening up. So we were able to do a lot of things hockey-wise. Like we lost some games and we lost some players for, for a while because of COVID, but we never had to stop the program. We just combined teams or whatever and we kept playing. So it, it, it was as normal a year as it possibly could have been under the circumstances. Yeah, that is that is great to hear. And of course, going into this season, knock on wood, things are back to normal, but it was absolutely a very challenging time especially I think trying to set the tone and set your culture and trying to navigate through a pandemic was very very challenging yeah yeah I think for the kids were game though the 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 other side of that is kids were really happy to be playing hockey again because if you remember the year before a lot of the prep schools didn't even play so it was it was kind of it was obviously hard and the masks and all that stuff but it was good and that, hey, we just want to play hockey. Let's go. Awesome. And so back to the NEPSAC. So the league moved to three tournaments, and they've been using this model for a while. So back in 2009, so where there's an Elite Eight, large school, and small school championship. And again, coming from college, how has this model been effective on the boys' side? I don't, I, I don't want to speak without knowing to, my opinion of it. It seems to be fine. It gives 24 teams a chance to play postseason hockey. So 
I mean, I'm, I'm all for that. I do think that you you do your best to make that Elite Eight, right? Because you get into that and then you feel like, all right, we're playing in the big championship or whatever you want to call it. That's not to diminish anybody who'd win those other because you're still winning a tournament is hard. You were saying before the thing, winning that last game is hard. So if you win the large school or the small school tournament, you're still a champion. Absolutely, I believe that. But teams start the year, their aspiration is let's let's try to get to the the Elite Eight. With that said, Rick Godkin, longtime coach at Mercyhurst, once told me, and I still to this day, don't even bother looking at the standings until Valentine's Day. So we try never to talk about Super 8 or Elite 8, whatever it's called. We, we, we're just worried about getting better every day if we're Cushing. We have little mini tournaments. We get the Lawrence tournament. We get the Cushing tournament that we want to win within. But other than that, we're just trying to keep adding points and keep winning games as much as you possibly can. Then once you hit February, it was crazy last year because then all of a sudden everyone on our campus became a mathematician. <laughs> and if this team beats that team and this team loses it, and I'm like, Guys, my head hurts. You know what I mean? I was told there'd be no math here. Like, what are we doing? And they, they, they had, um, I don't know how it worked, but we split the last week, and somehow that raised us one spot in the standings. All of a sudden, we were seven, so it's great. But we easily could have been four, and we easily could have been 11, and there's no way I could, like, walk up and complain about it. Like, I'd be like, all right, that's great. How'd you do it? No. But they've been doing that formula for a while. It seems to work really well. And I think they had the right teams in it last year. I'm sure whoever was nine didn't think so, but we were one of the eight, so I thought they had the right teams. That is good advice. Yeah, just don't check it till Valentine's Day. Isn't that what they tell you to do with the stock market? Just don't don't look at it. Just 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 let it ride for, for a little bit. Let the numbers do its thing. But so essentially, it's a strength of schedule model. So as opposed to the when teams were clumped into Division One and Division Two, like they did in years past. So essentially strength of schedule so where anybody can play everybody but at the end of the day the the final standings will be based on a team's record based on their strength of schedule right so winning against the opponents opponents and all those things like it, it they draw it out a lot of numbers but you number one in any formula you need to win Right, and that's that's whether you're looking at the NCAA pairwise or whatever. So you have to you have to win, and you have to have a high winning percentage because that is a portion of any formula. But the second thing is winning against the right team. So if you were to have a weak schedule and go 24 and two, you still might not get in, even though the winning percentage you'd do great. Some team instead of being 24 and two, who's 19 and seven, might have seven wins against top top opponents, and that pushes them above. So, and it did, like I say, it seemed to work out at the end. There was a lot of moving and jockeying between Valentine's Day and when they finally came up with those standings, and uh, it all seemed to work out. So, let's talk a little bit about your hockey career, coaching career. And I'm sure during your career, you've gotten to work with a lot of high level athletes. Mm -hmm. And a big part of this podcast is we have a great informative and educational component. We have a lot of families of a lot of young players that that tune in and listen and we think it's always great for them to to learn from somebody like yourself so a lot of high level athletes you've worked with several going on to play college or the professional ranks and discuss some of the traits and characteristics and maybe some of the paths that they took to get to their success yeah it's all different right so it's pretty cool question to actually ask but like first kid that jumps to mind is adam fox right who is the most talented kid I've ever come across, right? He's just talent is just off the charts, vision and whatever, and skates way better than they give him credit for. Like he does everything well. 
And that's a kid who, from a young age, played hockey, hockey, just hockey, and drilled at home, and it worked, right? So you have him, great player um, and great kid. Then you have, like, Alex Kerfoot, right, who, again, talent, all those different things, but also was a really good tennis player, also did other things, was the kid that you felt like if you invented a sport, he'd be good at it. Like, he was just that. And then you have Jimmy Vesey, who went to new Mandarin Chinese, brilliant kid, also really good hockey player, could skate, was strong, worked hard at his shot. Like, all those things. Like, I think all of those kids, different paths, but they all loved hockey and spent time talking and thinking and working at it all the time. So that that, that group. And then you, you add to that, like, kids I only had for a year, like Joel Farabee or Trevor Zegers. Those guys, again, just they loved the sport and they were really talented at it. And that was it was almost consuming to them. So, I mean, those are the guys. I think that's the the, the NHL guys. They're, they're different. They're, they're just different. When you have that next wave, OK, a lot of the kids I coached at Holy Cross, they got a cup of coffee or played in the American Hockey League or other kids at BU and, and, and Harvard. Um, those guys probably weren't as consumed they also obviously weren't given as much talent as those other kids but they had a lot of other things going that helped them to be the kids they were the the competitors they were and and they in their own right might go on become big time doctor or like tyler mcgregor 27 buckets for us at holy cross in 06 when we beat minnesota in the ncas right he's a doctor now right he was unbelievably talented really good but wasn't that big and wasn't going to be an NHL kid, but his work habits and all those things were the same as those kids that were in the NHL. He just wasn't as talented, but he took those and he was became a or a, and kids do it in all different realms. But I think every single kid that I've worked with that I have that fond memory of always had that same passion and, and kind of hard work ethic that would make them better. And then God kind of steps in at some point, and he's like, if you'd given me more talent, maybe I would have played in the NHL. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, you just, you, some of that is just what kind of works out. But I think those lessons and, and the, the hard work and all the things that those kids can do can be easily diverted to another career that can help them work out well. I think that's great perspective from a, a true professional like yourself who's just been around the game for so long. And I think it's also great for parents to hear that. I mean, there's not necessarily a one-path fits all model and again in, in a time and I think a generation where there is so many options for parents and it's overwhelming and there's also more pressure put on families and kids on decisions to make and I think it is good for them to hear that well it is and, and I think one thing I always try to say to people so if I could throw this out and not to come off as like some public service announcement but it, like pressure or, or worries or concerns about decisions and things like that I think you always have to go back to remember why your parents first put you on the ice or what it was recreation. It was to go have fun. See, and then all of a sudden you showed a proclivity to be good at it. Right. So then you were able to utilize that for, for whatever it might be. I guess that goes back to what I was saying about like the difference between Adam Fox or, or somebody else. Like there's a God given talent in that kid that Johnny Jones may not have, right? Doesn't mean that he can't try as hard or be try to be as good, but still have fun. Like you have to. You know what I mean? And listen, no one takes things more seriously. Like we do a lot of video and hard work and all all this stuff. But if you're not having fun, 
then move on. And I, I think that that part sometimes gets lost and sometimes gets lost too early because everyone's in such a race to have their kid declared the next grade 11-year-old that by the time he's 14, it's like, yeah, I'd kind of rather listen to music and drive a dirt bike. You know what I mean? And then you, you wonder why there's that fall off in hockey. What is it? I think the two years are 13 and 15 where it's the most biggest drop in the number of kids who play. And, and obviously that has to do with maturity and all those things. But also I think it has to do with, nah, I just did too much. I'm done. Yeah, which is, which is too bad to see sometimes. But I think to your point, I'm always reminded of the reason that kids do start hockey when I'm out with the little U8s, you know, coaching with them. Where How much fun is that? Oh, it's it's the best. And it's just you know, not a care in the world. And again, it's it's a constant. It's, it's I think it's good for someone like me to see that because it's just a constant reminder. I mean, this is why you start. And, and not to mention, it's also an important role if you are working with that age group because you are instilling a love for the game that will hopefully be carried with them for years to come and, and keep them playing when they're in high school or at Cushing or, or, or somewhere else. 100%. Golf and hockey, the, the two that you can still be playing when you're 70, right? Like, yeah, unless you want to play hopefully, pick, yeah. pickle, pickleball or something. But, you know, I mean, you see those, like they have the old timers league at, at Cushing. They play at noon every day and guys are rolling out there. They're in their high 70s and Still getting around the sheet, still trying to bury. You know what I mean? Those those, awesome. those things never go away. Yeah. By the way, pickleball. You hear that way uh, like a lot now. It's just it's like the up and coming sport. I yeah, hear. I think I think it's need to try uh, it sometime. I think it's the American ver- version. Of, what's what's the Canadian sport that they they sweep and they curling curling i think it's the same thing as curling that you can drink while you're doing it so people like to do it perfect well and as you mentioned so back to the athletic model i mean there's god-given talent sometimes in kids that sometimes they they move on sometimes they don't but based on your experience those traits and maybe the kids that aren't quite as good but it's often seen in other areas of their life and in your case an example of one of your former athletes who became a doctor who applied that who was same. a hell of a hockey player by the way like i wasn't trying to discount his abilities he just wasn't adam fox or or alex kerfoot you know what i mean yeah and a great example too of i think all the the life traits and, and characteristics that can be instilled in these athletes for years to come no no question i mean and you're spending all this time with people and doing this and trying to get better at it and you're lifting weights and you're getting up early in the morning you're going running and stuff I mean yeah you want to get as good as you possibly can at that sport but I just I think people sometimes lose perspective of there's only so far you can go and then that's it and you can keep working and keep trying to get better and, all, and you should do all that stuff. But it just doesn't mean that Bruins are... So let's go back to Cushing for a second. And again, education, informative, help us understand. So a student athlete for Cushing, maybe on the men's hockey team, what would a day in the life of a Cushing men's hockey player look like? Okay. Yeah, well, in season, okay. <coughs> Excuse me. You'd wake up, you go to breakfast. You go to your classes throughout the day, lunch somewhere in the middle there, you have an open period. During that open period, if it's if it's long enough time, you might shoot up and skate a little bit at the rink. We always have the ice open during the day. Kids, as long as they get their helmets on, they can go out there and work on their game. But they go through the end of the day, and then once, depending on the day, you know, who practices first. So we have a 3.30 to 4.50 slot, a 5 to 6.20 slot, 6.30 to 10 minutes of eight slot, right? So one of those three, if you're with the boys hockey team and it's Monday, we've got the later slot, Val goes early. So we lift before 
Okay, and we have a strength and conditioning coach. And we actually have a, 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 we just built it. We have a weight room in the rink. So we're able to do a supervised workout leading into practice. And then after practice, go to dining hall and then go do your study hall. And that would kind of repeat itself on Thursday. Tuesday's a little different. You'd have your practice. And then afterwards, we'll probably do some type of stretching. And then before the practice, we'd do video. So that's what we'd do on Tuesdays and Fridays. And then Wednesdays and Saturdays, we play games. So it's pretty pretty routine, and, and you get into that, and you're able to get a lot done. And I think when you have routine for kids who are 16, 17 years old, that's very good because then they, that, that helps them to kind of organize everything in their minds. Like, like our practices. Our practices are all built around a 75-minute model that we do different drills all the time, but the, the, it's almost like subjects in, in, in a school lesson. Like 15 minutes of this, 15 minutes of that, 15 minutes. And that's how we build our 75 for all our practices. And then we have five minutes on either side. The kids can just screw around or, or whatever, do breakaways or, or whatever they want to do. It's the same thing with the lifting. It's the same thing with the schedule. If we can build it out, that will help them to succeed the best in that. Especially when you, you want everything done so when they sit, hit study hall, they can study and go to bed. Because I'm sure, I mean, everyone knows now, like, sleep is so important. And getting these kids eight, eight and a half hours of sleep is so valuable once you hit February and hit late season. Kids aren't getting sick. Kids aren't getting hurt because they're they're well rested and hydrated and all that stuff. Sleep is almost underestimated these days. 100%. It's crazy. Lots of studies, I think, on on how important it is, and particularly for that adolescent age. But listening to your your program, I mean, it sounds very college-like. You know exactly what a kid could expect if they're playing high-level college and great preparation for that. Yeah, we tried to, again, age appropriately, we tried to do a college week for our kids. The only difference is we go Wednesday, Saturday, they go Friday, Saturday. But we can still build it in. I actually like it better Wednesday, Saturday, because the, the positive and negative, you have great series on the weekend. So you're Harvard and you go up and you play Cornell or your Holy Cross and you host Air Force for two, whatever it might be. Those are great series. But it's a whole week leading into this sprint of two games where you play Friday night, you do video, you, you get no sleep, you're just living on coffee. You kind of get ready for Saturday morning so that you, all your special teams are ready to go against them the following night. Whereas here, we play on Wednesday. Okay, take a deep breath. All right, what do we do? What do we can learn, get some good teaching clips out of this. We'll, we'll show those to the guys. But it's a completely different opponent on Saturday. So now we just move on and it's, it's, it's just a little bit more natural. And if we're going to play somebody twice, we'll play them early and then we'll play them late. The only team we do a home and home, we do it with KUA, which is great. Timmy and I both obviously come from college and it's, it's kind of fun to have the kids at least experience that once. So every other year it's home away or away home, whatever. So we'll do that again this year. I think it's important for the guys to experience that because I think if they go on to college without having that sort of structured program that instills a time management skills and and that sort of thing. I mean, it's playing at the college level. It's like getting hit with a ton of bricks if you haven't experienced that before. <laughs> no, there's no question. The, the demands on kids once they go to the schools now is is pretty pretty significant and a lot more than when I started coaching back in mid '90s. It's a lot more. It just Video itself has just become such an animal, a huge animal that, that has to be dealt with. But if you don't do it, you'll fall behind. Even if, even if you don't believe in doing that much or whatever, you're, you're, you're not taking advantage of a great learning tool, especially for kids now. They're not going to do X's and O's on a, on a whiteboard. You know what I mean? They, they're not seeing that. You show them 
all right, this is what the power play should look like, and we want the bumper to move here, and we're going to guy in front of blah, blah, blah. Then they go, oh, okay, yeah, I get it, because they were probably just doing the same exact thing on their phone 10 minutes earlier. True. Yes, <laughs> that generation, yes, growing right. up with the uh, the smartphones. But speaking of the mid-'90s, so a long time you've been behind the bench mm-hmm. for all those years, and I'm sure you have some great coaching stories, maybe some funny stories that's happened over the years. <laughs> Again, the we're pre- dying to hear them. Yeah, I don't I don't know that I can I'm gonna anyone's gonna be holding their <laughs> holding their ribs as they go. But no, I mean just overall, yeah, I mean I I would think that especially on each stop, there's something that kind of stands out. I guess one just top my head. Uh, we had um two thousand six probably best year we ever had at Holy Cross and Mercyhurst was our big rival and we would go in late because we had to leave because of classes and it's about 12 one o'clock in the morning driving that stretch between buffalo and erie pennsylvania and this little red car goes zipping by us and there's probably four inches of snow and it's lightly going and we go and we're driving along and all of a sudden when you're the coach you sit in that front seat and i see that red car go into a spin okay and we go up and our bus driver same guy we always had Luis, and he was good. And he did this right. He, he could have killed her, but he just got out of her way, but hit the back of her car, shot her off into the the woods. He jams on the brakes. We all go kind of running. And behind me, <laughs> I have my two goalies with a camera. <laughs> like, what are you guys doing? And it was the way I found out that they were doing like a year, like for a class, they were doing this year biography of the team. So I, I before going to sit, and the girl was fine, we were very fortunate. But before that, I had to like yell at the goalies to get back on the back on the bus because they were they were going thought they would get some great video opportunity. So oh that, man, yeah, that's that that's... was that was one. I, again, I, I don't a lot of things you can't always mention. But the other side is I've had a lot of good memories, like a lot. The the, the best part about coaching. Aside from obviously helping kids move on, which is what we're all about, all all guys, all guys and gals who get into coaching, no question. Um, but it's also the relationships you build with different people that you coach with. Some of my best friends are people I've either coached with or against, or see recruiting out on the road and, and in the ranks and things. And you don't want to get too look back too much because then you start feeling like you're old. I still, <laughs> still don't feel like I'm old yet, but certainly. Certainly, I'm older than I am younger. I certainly get that, but it's been a great run, and and it's been a lot of fun, and hopefully i got a ton more years ahead of me because I, I still love it and still get a great kick out of just watching a hockey game and, and being part of watch, being part of it. Watching it's one thing that's a lot of fun. When I, I have a son who plays in college, and watching him is unbelievable, it's, and watching his team is great. But then the next step is, all right, not just watching it, but being part of it, and then not only being part of it, but being the person who gets to tell who goes on the ice and who doesn't, it's pretty good. Pretty good way to make a living. It definitely is, and I'm sure just so many, sounds like wonderful memories and lots of smiles over the year and amazing mentorship that you've had on so many young student-athletes and and great friendships as well. Yeah, no no question about that. It's been been quite a ride, so keep it going. We certainly hope so. And uh, I think finally, just to revisit the the league and, and Cushing so we're we're on we're about to start up another season and uh, I think in for a very competitive season ahead no and, yep. and field and obviously we hope to see Cushing back in the elite eight but just talk a little bit about that we're seeing some of the consistent programs like Salisbury Dexter St. Sebs those kind of teams that we're seeing consistently in the elite eight should be in for a really competitive winter ahead yeah, I don't see like I, I I think I think all the teams that are usually good 
will be good. I think that they'll have. I think there'll be more good teams, though. I do think that knowing kind of where everybody's going and the new kids and who's moving, who's got kids coming back, I, I think as opposed to maybe there being 10 teams that could possibly win the thing, I bet you there's more like 15 or 20 like that. Yeah, it would take something at the end, and they might not have as much firepower as the usual suspects, but there's a lot of like high-end players that have ended up at non-traditional spots that they, they can really help turn a team around and certainly put them in the conversation. And the other thing is, too, is, you know, health and, and luck and, you know, a, a lot of factors that can come in throughout the year that hopefully they fall on your side. But I've been on both sides of that, years that had no idea we were going to be any good, and, and all of a sudden you're, you're sitting there and you're playing for the league championship. <laughs> How the hell did we get here? And then there's other times you're like, oh, we're going to be unbelievable. <laughs> and you're barely scraping to be 500, and you're hoping the AD doesn't want to fire you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, so those, those things happen. I mean, it's just sports and, and the way kids come together and what the dynamic is in the room and stuff. And obviously as a coach and as a program, you, you hopefully have a big part of creating that and again that's goes back to the beginning of what we talked about that's why Cushing's always been so good it's been a lot of good players and had a really good culture there that we, we, we try hard to fight to continue sounds impressive and I can't wait to follow and watch sounds like just great hockey ahead for this winter and finally so any advice or feedback for maybe some of the new or upcoming young men or women who are in the infancy of their coaching careers tuning in and, and listening to a legend like yourself <laughs> <laughs> legend again implies extremely old so, um, well experienced is that well experienced a, i like we that way better but yeah. yeah if i was getting in right now right i i would certainly try my best to get to a program and it might not be the top assistant job or whatever but get to a program with a coach that you kind of respect and see as someone you could learn from because opportunities will eventually open they always do people move people do whatever i think associating yourself with the right people in the business is a big way of moving forward if you kind of get down the whole path of just getting that job that pays the most that possibly can help you right in that moment it's not always the right thing to do i think you have to be very measured in the way you think about how you want to go about it and I think you want to surround yourself with people that are going to be able to help you and you're going to be able to learn from and that other people in the industry really respect because then you become part of their circle as opposed to part of the wrong circle and then all of a sudden you can be out of the game in five years and it, it just, it's, it's not easy. It takes a long time. You're not going to make a ton of money when you first start and you have to maybe supplement it by doing this or that. But I think once you can kind of get on that right path, it eventually will happen. You just got to keep working at it like, like anything else. And I've been really lucky. We talked about it at the beginning. I've had a lot of great jobs and, and whatever, but <clears throat> it's not like I jumped in and all of a sudden had like the best job ever. Like you just, you got to get that job, meet the right people, speak to the right people, and then hopefully move forward with it from there. That's great advice. Yeah. Take, take the leap, get in with good people, networking, all so important to people starting out their careers. hundred percent. Well, Coach, it's been a blast to have you in studio today, and I uh, can't thank you enough for joining us, and, and also can't wait to follow you with Cushing Men's Hockey. Keep Absolutely. doing your thing. Go Penguins, and actually, what are you guys, the Cougars? Go Cougars? Cougars, yeah. All right, good. Good luck. I'll be following Austin Prep, and I'll be rooting for them every game except for when you guys play Val. 
That's a, that's a deal. That's fair okay. enough. And that does it for this edition of RinkWise. Our podcast is produced by David Yaz. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NE Hockey Journal and subscribe online at NewEnglandHockeyJournal.com. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. RinkWise is a Siemens Media Production. 